Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love my tiny people. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. Ah! And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Have you been following this uh speaking of being online too much probably me um this this whole thing about uh, interracial adoption that caught on fire aware of it yeah wow i didn't realize this is part of the woke movement or apparently it's uh, about to become there's a new book out called a uh, white gaze from a woman who's really making the argument that uh, uh adopting across races is wrong Oh Lord! Uh, transracial adoption—that's the—that's the new thing. And just uh, oh yeah, you can't do that. That is wrong. White parents who are sort of somehow easing their guilt by adopting black children and raising them to be white. And she grew up in a white family, and how terrible it was for her, which is just an awful thing to say to the oh. parents that pro- you know. Oh my God. It's spectacularly racist too. Yeah, the so, idea that a, a, a white couple, for instance. Decides to adopt, love, raise, nurture, educate, etc. A darker-skinned child than they might tend to have genetically, and that—that's somehow a crime. Oh man, I'm not anti-adoption, says this Rebecca Carroll, who's the writer of the book. I've always maintained this: love is love. I get it, but if there was ever a time to re-examine the long-term repercussions of white parents making choices on behalf of black children who will grow up to be black adults, it is now. Transracial adoption needs to be well, looked now, at. Now, because nonsense is being thrown around by so many people who are allegedly educated. My, right. Yeah. Now, now is the perfect time to market your nonsense. And I'm not saying there are no issues. Black child raised in a white family. I'm not saying there are none, but oh my God, the idea that, that it's, the child is better off. I don't know what being abused, starving, having no parents in an orphanage. What? Not having parents. Wherever you are, whether you're in some poor village in Africa or, or, or some inner city or wherever you are, not getting adopted, how would that possibly be better for you? Well, nobody would think that. Although she said, my adoptive white parents are well-intentioned, liberal, educated people. They created what they thought was an idyllic world, but it was through their gaze, which meant a raceless existence. Jeez. Yeah. I'm oh sorry you God. have psychological problems, ma'am. I really am. Is this? I just wondered how big a thing this is. And so um, uh, Tim Sanifer was weighing in on this, our friend Tim the lawyer, because he is very active in the Native American uh, realm of law and points out and has been arguing about this for years, including on our show, that it's against the law to uh, for a white uh, parents to adopt uh, a Native American kid. Native American kids can only be adopted by other people of the tribe or something like that. Well, yeah, and that if if a white couple is, you know, fostering, raising that child, and there's any conceivable place for that kid with an Indian family, the kid goes there, no matter how abusive, you know, you know, unhealthy, degenerate, dangerous it is, because you got to keep the race together. Um. If you get a, if you're a, if you're a kid out there and you're going to grow up without parents in some sort of foster situation or orphanage or whatever, you get parents who adopt you, you won the freaking lottery. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know plenty of people in that situation who feel that way. You won the lottery. 
And this for this person to come forward and and, and then this become a craze of no, 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 better off not. That's just wrong. What are you talking about? And it reminds me of that uh, comedy thing that we've run so many times about the woke people and the racists have become one and the same. Because only actual white supremacists would say, no, 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 this whole interracial adopting is wrong. We can't have black kids and white families and vice versa. That is wrong. Stick with your race. I mean, what a racist thing to say. And this is now the super progressive version? You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. That's a good point, sir. That's just awful. Yeah. Just awful. I know it. There's so much craziness that's accepted as well. You know, if it, if it wears a racial garb, there's so many people who are afraid to challenge the clearly idiotic because they're afraid of being called a racist or what have you. You can email us at the following address. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Maybe you have an opinion you'd like to share. Maybe uh, there's something we ought to be talking about. You can send along the link. Oh, gosh, golly. Oh, a number of people, Jack, sending along encouragement to you. Your best wishes as you continue to heal from your de-gallbladderification. I appreciate that. How many are rooting for my death? A uh, fair number, but, um, <laughs> you know, we got this uh, note from uh, San Diego Dave, who's a semi-regular correspondent. It's always interesting to hear from him. He always has great takes, and he describes spending 42 days in the hospital. Um, around Christmas time of 2011, um, and just some things he's gone through have been absolutely terrible. Remind you, have a little more kindness and a little more mercy for the people you run into in your life. Um, just because everybody's either dealing with something or dealt with something or somebody they love is deal- dealing with something really hard. I can't mercy, even imagine because huh? something happened after day three where it went into some sort of surreal, I no longer know what time is thing. I can't imagine if you stayed there what that would be like. Well, he mentions that he, he had all the nurses' uh, shifts and schedules memorized. Oh, sure and, you would. And he would look forward to this or that or think, okay, John's on for, oh, well, you know, and just that became his reality. Yeah, I got to know people and would have ongoing conversations like, see, eight hours away, and we'd pick up where we were before. Yeah. Uh, about, the, you know, your family, my family, your religion, whatever. Yeah. Because you're hanging around each other a lot. Interesting. Uh, so moving on to more of the correspondence, uh, Norm writes, my high school sophomore's math teacher told the class yesterday that if the students, quote, try on the final, he'll pass them, no matter what score they get. And this is okay, a that's, that's top fun. high school in the area it's in. I happen to know it. Uh, the first two quizzes in the beginning of the year had a 95% failure rate. They don't get the kids could not learn math over Zoom. What's going to happen to these kids in their next year's math class? Well, we have all sorts of data and information on that. And, you know, the, the informational stuff, the math skills, I'm less worried about that than I am the emotional uh, connection, psychological, becoming a fully hor- formed human being thing, honestly. The kids' socialization. Uh, a couple of quick notes on our discussion of the January 6th texts that came out and uh, controversial as we expected. Uh, hey guys, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a liberal, half black, half Chinese guy, a uh, longtime listener, uh, uh, a liberal person of color, also a big fan of NPR and your former colleagues on a different uh, station who are terrible and nobody should listen to them. Uh, I made it a point to consume alternative media, alternate media years ago to make sure I get a well-rounded view on the news. 
Um, and he says some very nice things, which we appreciate, and says, I, I want to thank you for holding your own line today regarding the revelation of the 1-6 text to Mark Meadows. I was afraid you wouldn't cover the topic today or discuss it as a liberal witch hunt. Uh, then he says he often has to clench his teeth when we say something he believes to be anth- antithetical to the continuance of our civil democracy, mm. as I do with far-left craziness, too, he points out, but will nod my head in agreement just as often. Well, uh, CJ uh, from Oakland, now in Arizona. Thanks for the note, CJ. And, and uh, I don't hate anybody I disagree with. I learn from them. Um, I believe I'm right on most of the stuff I say, but eh, I'm not threatened by different opinions. Uh, let's see. And uh, Ron uh, doesn't understand how we took the take we did. You talk as if Trump started it or had the ability to stop it, but neither are true. I would say, and this is the very short version, we don't have time to go into detail. If he had come out forcefully and said, leave Mike Pence alone, get out of the Capitol, this is way out of line, it would have made a difference. He didn't, as the entire conservative world was begging him to. No, I, I'm point. with you. I think the uh, the arguments that he wanted that to happen or orchestrated that are very flimsy. But while it was going on, he clearly didn't do anything, even when his own kid was begging him to do something. And, in fact, he egged it on a little bit. I didn't like that. But, you know, again, we can differ. That's fine. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There are a few things I'm powerless over. I mean, I just have no power to resist the temptation. And because it's Christmas time, Judy is making her gingerbread cookies. Gingerbread men and ornaments and the rest of it, they're perfect. She's just so good. Oh, my God, I had a couple of glasses of wine last night, and I started in on the gingerbread cookies. It was a gingerbread man genocide. It was ugly. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. <laughs> it was a mass casualty event. How oh, many, it was a massacre. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many you think went down? Oh, there's no need to, you know, go into details. <laughs> Was it double digits? Well, in size, in size matters. Number. Are they real life size? Are they an inch tall? I mean, that makes a difference. <laughs> Are they real life size? Yeah, they're five foot eight. <laughs> no, no, they're they're about. I guess they're something close to six inches tall, five six inches tall, three All inches right. wide. A couple of those, and maybe an ornament or two. I don't know. It's hard to say. Memories are um, vague. While we're on the topic are, of are, are troubled, <laughs> while we're on the topic of eating, I had, I had a Joe Biden clip I wanted to mock, but maybe we'll do that next segment. Um, it, it's the one my son and I heard while we were driving around yesterday, and he started laughing first. So we'll play that oh, for you boy. next segment. That's a good one to stick around for. But since we're on the topic of eating, New York Times with a big article, like long, and I read the whole thing last night about weight loss and exercise that I found kind of interesting and. Uh, one of the interesting angles, it's from that whole Biggest Loser thing that really changed the way I, and I think a lot of people, look at weight loss in America. It all came out of the study from the the, the hit NBC TV show, the, the Biggest Loser, where you had all these people on there who lost very large amounts of weight very quickly. Well, almost every single person, like statistically you might as well say every person, <laughs> um... Gained it all back or more. And so everybody's wanting to know why. And that's when we learned, and we've been talking about this for years, when when they went into that study and really got into it, the very disappointing news that if you lose weight, your body goes into shutdown mode 
pretty much brings your metabolism down to zero to conserve every calorie you take in and just does, does everything it can to try to get you back up to your previous weight. It thinks you're starving. You're on the savanna. There are no antelope. You're starving. It's very disappointing news. I mean, I'm all for the truth. There's no point in living in la-la land or, uh, you know, beating yourself up, not understanding why weight loss isn't working as it doesn't work for so many of us. I mean, lots of people, uh, practically all of us, have had success where all of a sudden you drop 5, 10, 15, 100 pounds, whatever it is, and you think, oh, wow, this is my new life. And it's very exciting. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or mocking anybody oh, at no. all. And you buy a lot of clothes. And you're just so excited that this is your new life and your new look, and you're going to keep this going forever. But it's almost impossible because of the fact that your body goes into shutdown mode. Well, this latest data that's still coming off of the same study with the same researchers is about how exercise affects metabolism and weight loss. And I'll tell you, I read the very, very long article. I think the conclusion that they drew at the end was an attempt to not depress you because their their final paragraph does not match up with all the information they gave earlier in the article. Really? I felt. It would seem that Uh-oh. whether you exercise or not, and if your body goes into that hoard calorie mode, and there's plenty of evidence out there to show that if you start exercising, your body works even harder to hang on to every single calorie in a way that it's practically self-defeating. Not completely self-defeating. It it doesn't come to the conclusion that exercising is a bad idea. People that were able to keep some weight off, and almost nobody kept all the weight off, but people that were able to keep some of the weight off tended to be the people that exercised. But you have to exercise like a madman to overcome the fact that your body is saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're using lots of energy. We're using lots of energy. You spend no calories. Bring metabolism down to zero. Hang on to every calorie you take in, as opposed to the person that's not exercising. Their metabolism doesn't go quite as low. Right. Right. Well, you know, here's where I point out that there are a lot of great reasons to exercise. Of course. Um, oh, yeah. Not just weight loss. Oh, yeah. 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 It'll keep you alive. It'll make your old age better. It'll, you know, it'll make you, you lungs, make you feel better. Lungs, heart, muscles, all kinds of different things. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, and plus, you know, if I keep my weight below a certain level, my blood pressure is lower. So there are all sorts of it decreases cancer risk. Just all you can do is your best. But, you know, the, the annoying thing about the body is, and somebody or the brain, whatever, it's probably the damn brain that's in charge, isn't it? I blame the brain is that all, all, all that it cares about is trends. So if I go from 440 pounds to 410, my brain thinks it's the same as going from 130 pounds to 100, 100 pounds, and I'm dying. Right. All they care about is that 30-pound trend. The brain's got to wake up. I mean, it's got this rep for being smart. The brain is stupid. Like you notice below a certain weight, your blood pressure is better. I've noticed that below a certain weight, I look less like Charlie Brown. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. But they even looked at some tribe in Africa where they basically jog all day long. They're out there on the savanna at a kind of a slow jog after antelope all day long. That's what they do. And those people have a metabolism of practically nothing. They burn... 
fewer calories their metabolism does than sedentary people in the United States. Wow. Because their, their, uh, their body had adjusted to, like, we're, we're exercising so much, we're going to lose all these calories, we don't want that, that's no good, so let's shut her down. Yeah, it's so hard, especially with the modern lifestyle. I've tried to communicate to all three of my kids when they were younger. I've got, I mentioned the science to them, and I said, look, the key is don't gain the weight in the first place. It's so important, but it's it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, and uh, I know there's a certain percentage of you out there who are crazy fit and eat lettuce and run marathons every weekend and whatever. That's good for you. You're not everybody else, and everybody else can't be you. So just shut, shut up. Uh, but the the reality that your body does everything it can to get you back to the previous weight is depressing. It's just depressing. Yeah, I'd like to punch myself in the brain if I thought it would do me any good, but (laughs) there's nothing I can do about it, so I must accept it. So here you go. And have another uh, gingerbread man. Yeah, that's the how exercise affects metabolism. If you want to look up that article in the New York Times, the Biggest Loser data highlights the complex ways the body compensates when we drop pounds, as in slows down our metabolism to make sure... Every calorie we take in will stay in our body because we wouldn't want to die of starvation. When is evolution going to catch up to the fact that ain't nobody starving? We, we, we don't need to try so hard. Starvation's not really a thing anymore. Everybody's fat and the poor are even fatter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Armstrong and Getty. Point of privilege. Quick point Um, of personal privilege. So many Americans believe yada, yada, yada. This is Armstrong and Getty. The lunacy of this, this exercise. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? Hey, man. All right, go, go. I'm ready. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. So, uh, Dr. Fauci is omnipresent. Oh, who wants that? Who 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 wakes up on Sunday morning and says, kids, kids, quick, turn on Face the Nation in case Dr. Fauci's on there. You know, we ought to play the whole science rant, because if you haven't heard it yet, and we did it earlier in the show, that that's worth doing before we get to the other more confrontational stuff, because this is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, he was on Face the Nation for like 45 minutes on Sunday. And uh, for whatever reason, CBS decided to not really grill him on gain-of-function research or the animal experiments he was doing on beagles or any of the stuff that he would find uncomfortable. They just let him pitch all his theories and all that sort of stuff. Well, they've been treating him like a god for the longest time, and I believe he's beginning to believe it. But 45 minutes? I don't want to see him for 45 seconds. So, uh, yeah, this this one's getting a lot of attention, if you haven't heard it. There are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean, That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. 
that's dangerous. Wow. It's a wow. hell of a so, thing for someone to say out loud. So I represent say, science. Children are virtually unharmed by any variant of COVID through this entire thing. So demanding that they get compulsory shots is uh, extremely controversial at best and has caused a great deal of anxiety, uh, dear doctor. So daring to question him is to question science itself. So I still think the part at the beginning, which isn't getting as much attention, is the the really hubristic thing where he says, "They'll I'm saving lives while they are lying. Wow. Yeah. Aren't you just the savior of mankind? When anybody questions any of your ideas or uh, I'm saving lives while they're lying. And then that I'm I'm I am science. I represent science. I represent science. If Tom Brady said I represent football, you would think, oh, you're a little full of yourself, aren't you, Tom? I mean, just that's not the sort of thing you say, even if you believe it. Well, no. The very essence of science is to continually challenge what is thought to be true. And it's a widely varied body of of people and and labs and all, many of whom constantly disagree with each other. It's just a ridiculous thing to say. A couple of comments worth mentioning, uh, people reacting rather strongly to his statements. Why don't we start with the always entertaining uh, Senator Cruz of Texas, clip 40, Michael. You know, Dr. Fauci, I think, is the most dangerous bureaucrat in the history of the country. He's been dishonest. He's been political. He's been partisan. And and the American people know it. You know, this weekend he did this long interview where he gave the answer. He said, I represent science. I am science. I got to admit, I was laughing. It's it's like Louis XIV, uh, the, the, the sun king in, in, in France, saying, moi, I am the state. It, it, it is this delusion of grandeur that you cannot criticize him. And, and, and it was very striking. He didn't discuss any of the substance. Instead, he just attacked and engaged in ad hominem attacks. He basically did the Beavis and Butthead defense. He just screamed liars at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear B&B quoted. <laughs> Need more of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to? Let's let's hear Tucker. Uh, why not? Forty four. Someday, when the fog lifts and art returns, somebody's going to write a hilarious novel about this moment. And of course, one of the stars of it will be a nearly eighty-one-year-old bureaucrat who really shouldn't be driving a car at this point, but who somehow took control of the most powerful country on earth and then promptly went insane. If you haven't checked in on Tony Fauci lately, you may be a little surprised to discover what he's become. If you tuned in a couple of years ago, you may recall Fauci as a conventional public health official. He wore button-down shirts, he gave careful, precise answers that suggested deep medical knowledge. No more. After two years of nonstop media adulation, Tony Fauci has morphed into an even shorter version of Benito Mussolini. <laughs> Why are you going to attack his height? Well, wait a minute. If you like access power comparisons, did you see that new clip we just got of Laura Logan? I haven't heard it. I've just seen the description. No. Oh. Well, is that a different yourself. topic? No. Oh, no, no. Okay. Exactly the same topic. Oh, okay. Precisely the same topic. All right. No, I 40, don't know. 43. 
What you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the, doc the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews during the Second World War and in the concentration camps. And I am talking about people all across the world are saying this because the response from COVID, what it has done to countries everywhere, what it has done to civil liberties, the suicide rates, the poverty, it has obliterated economies, the level of suffering that has been created because of this disease is now being seen in the cold light of day, i.e. the truth. And people see that there's no justification for what is being done. Man, there are hot takes and then there are takes that are so hot you need to wear oven mitts. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> Dr. Mengele, you say. <laughs> I agree with everything you said after that. I'm not sure I'd uh, go... Nazi Mengla on him. I'm not sure I'd drop an M bomb. <laughs> Have you been a good little Nazi? Oh, Michael. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I prefer to pursue more reasoned and gentlemanly arguments. Uh, and in a couple of minutes, I want to address the utter insanity in New York State's response to the Omicron variant with its complete insignificance as far as we can tell and yeah it's a little premature to say that but i just see no indication there's anything to worry about a little more on fauci this is the the, the ted cruz and him uh clip 47 so anybody who spins lies and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the rand pauls and all that other nonsense that's noise margaret that's noise I know what my job is. Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? What are you talking about? What does that have to do with viruses, which is your only area of expertise? And what does that have to do with whether or not your department was helping fund gain of function research which there's plenty of data show that it is true um investigating that is just, that's just noise i'm saving lives while they're lying i i can't tell if the adoration has gotten to him because i guarantee you in dc and new york he goes around he gets the best table and the best service and you're part of the resistance and oh my god he, yeah. and, and that would get to you. That would have an effect on the way you act and the way you look at the world. I can't tell if it's that or if he knows in the back of my mind, uh, the back of his mind, my mind and his aren't connected. Uh, if he knows in the back of his mind that at some point people are going to figure out that I funded this whole thing. It was our screw up. We lied about it from the beginning. We could be on the hook for millions of lives and $20 trillion worldwide and generations of children that didn't go to school. He may know that that's coming. Yeah, yeah. And that's wow. why he's acting like this. Because that's some weird crap to say. Oh, these investigations, Margaret, it's just noise. No, no, they're completely 100% legitimate investigations of where this freaking thing came from, what role we played in it, your department played in it. What are you talking about, dude? And I then just the January 6th red herring. I just think he's learned to to talk, to throw takes out like he's a first-term congressperson. He just indulges in that uh, bomb-chucking, fire-breathing rhetoric. He's learned the art, I guess. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's I represent weird. science. All right, Maybe he fine. is like Dr. Mengele. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, wow, Laura. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> 
Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Why am I saying Omicron? Because this is on the list of the most mispronounced words of 2021 that I have in front of me. Oh my God. And it says here that Omicron is pronounced. Well, it's got two pronunciations, so I guess that means you can do it either way. Omicron or Omicron. So you can do either one. Okay. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to go back to Omicron then. Go ahead. <laughs> not a hill you're going to die on fighting this no, one? Certainly not, no. Uh, other mis- most mispronounced word to 2021 Chipotle, the fast food <laughs> chain. Uh, challenging to baby, baby boomers to pronounce it, I guess. So it's Chipotle. That's the emphasis is on, the emphasis is on pot. Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle. So I say Chipotle. It took me a while not to say Chipotle. Yeah. But, you know, it happens to all of us. Yeah, and, and, and who cares? Uh, and yes, we know a former employee used to pronounce it in a funny fashion, but he victimized children, so we're not going to refer to that. Dogecoin is Dogecoin. Okay, thank you for that. Not doggy coin? Um, Billy Eilish, for anybody who doesn't know. Here's one, a trendy term popularized popularized by Generation Z and is used to mock an outdated and unfashionable aesthetic type associated with millennials. You pronounce it chuggy, 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 soft G. Uh, I can't tell. It just has G E E. So would that be a hard or a soft? Mm, hard to say. If I mean, if you're going to say G, golly G, it, that's generally spelled G-E-E. They would have spelled it with a J, though, right? If it was uh, you would, if you're doing pronunciations, you need to make it clear how to pronounce something. So it's chuggy. But how do you use chuggy in a sentence? Because I definitely want to be hip with Generation Z. Um, Let's see. Uh, da, 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 my boss is dressing like Billie Eilish. It's so chuggy. Well, do you, you got people this age chuggy. in your orbit. Do they say chuggy or chuggy? I don't listen to him. It's Chuggy. It's Chuggy. Thank you, it's Alex. Chuggy. Thank, Thank you, you for weighing in as a young person. It's Chuggy. Use yeah. it in Again, a sentence. They talk, and I hear they're using words, but I don't actually <laughs> listen to them. Use Chuggy in a sentence for me so I can be more hip. No, he's right. wearing his new balances, and his T-shirt is tucked in. He's so Chuggy. Okay. But again, does it mean does it mean you're trying to seem young and hip and failing at it, or is it different than that? Uh, it's different. It's think like your how your dad would dress when he mowed the lawn. That's right. chuggy See, attire. Uh, that's interesting because I'd I'd read something about it and it specifically referred to people trying to act okay. young and hip and and not pulling. I think up, I'm but back whatever. to not caring uh, again. I regret having even engaged on the topic. Ano- My pleasure. Another cryptocurrency on the list. Ethereum is the way you pronounce that one, as opposed to Dogecoin. Um. That one, that story's kind of over. It's about the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. It was pronounced the Ever Given. Okay. Who cares? Uh, Remember when we all came together when the ship was stuck? That was a good time. Good times. I liked so the day when the country they, came together. And I liked it when it finally got loose and there was such a movement to put it back because we'd all come together and we're enjoying it so much. Put it back. Put it back. You ruined everything. So now here's with a, the supply chain things, though, as bad as they are, nobody's saying that. 
So here's a popular trend in which multiple beauty filters are applied to pictures or portraits for comedy effect. <laughs> you did that once, right? Yeah, I've done that. Yasify. Yasify. Yasify? That's it's Yasify. Yasify. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Jump in, maybe Alex. Maybe we got to have Alex run well, this. Maybe bit. we should. If you're if you're a boomer and I'm not a boomer, but Yasify. <laughs> How's it spelled? Say it say it again, Alex, and then use it in a sentence again. Yassify. Yassify. Use it in a sentence. Um, I photoshopped my uh, selfie to make me look better. I yassified myself. Okay, so you yassified it? All mm-hmm. right. Gotcha. Past tense. Cool. I'll start using that. What's Please the don't. etymology there? The root appears to be yass. What is, what's yass? It's a very affluent way of saying yes, but like oh. in a celebratory tone. Yes. My daughter has used that. Yes. Oh, okay. I'll send a picture of Baxi. She loves our dog. So I'll send a picture of Baxi, like lying in the grass in the backyard, and she'll say yes. Do you yesify the pictures of Baxter, like make him look younger, <laughs> browner, or something? the grass more green mm-hmm. well, he's black why would i make him look brown he's a proud black labrador who doesn't yassify every picture at this point in life it's just so easy to do why I'm, wouldn't you make it a little brighter or change the contrast at the very least uh, i feel bad now i you never do you don't yassify anything no really no take a selfie send it Old Simple Joe. Maybe it's time for me to adapt the uh, nickname. I don't know. Huh. I like the, I did this, did I put this, I don't know if I posted this or not. Uh, my son showed me there one of the options on taking a picture is to make it look like it's an oil painting. Really cool. Oh, neat. So that's my, uh, the, the picture of me, like if I'm on Zoom now, is looks like an oil painting. Of and me, like, that would be an example of Chugi. That's oh, Chugi. Oh, boy. Oh, no, there you were trying is. to gasify, so, and you ended up Chugi. <laughs> So I yassified my picture to the point of being chuggy. It's chuggy because it's so lame. You see, you're making perfect sense now. You're understanding us young people. It, it, it's because it's been around forever and everybody knew how to do it, and that's why it's lame. I was doing that in 2012 in high school. Oh, okay. I didn't know you could do that. So, well, better wow. late than never. Yeah. So I'm youngster should be chuggy. seen and not heard. My yassifying Please. is so chuggy. Where do I find this crap? Let's see. <laughs> I'm looking at my phone. I'll send you a picture of my oil painting of me. It looks like I hired some rich guy to paint my portrait, like the Kramer hanging in the hallway. You know, that sort of thing. It's awesome. Uh, anyway. Wait a minute. You can change brilliance in the picture? That's what I need. I need more brilliance. <laughs> in Alex, every way. And Alex jumps in, and that's an example of Chugi. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> hurtful. That is hurtful. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Look what I can do, and everybody's been able to do for a decade now. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Can't keep up with everything. So our theme of this segment is uh, science, technology, and personalities coming together to bring us something or other. Uh, we uh, <laughs> It's a rough draft, obviously. Um, so uh, the, the Elon Musk thing reminded me. I'd meant to bring this up. Um, but it was just a, it was several days ago. Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech and it talked about, uh, you go home with them to bring you to the dance, blah, 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 to the unions. Um, and then, uh, Paolo writes, this is the dictionary definition of crony capitalism, an economic system characterized by close, mutually advantageous relationships between business leaders and government officials. 
putting our money where his mouth is, Biden's build back Bolshevik thing includes a boost for union-made electric vehicles. If enacted, the bill would provide a $7,500 tax credit for consumers who purchase electric vehicles through 2026. Uh, beginning the following year. 7500 Yeah. Only purchase of elect, uh, purchases of electric vehicles made in the U.S. qualify for the credit, and the base credit goes up by $4,500 if the vehicle is made at a U.S. plant that operates under a union-negotiated collective bargaining agreement. Only There's auto the plants owned against GM, Ford, and Stellantis, Nevada currently qualify. Yep, there's the bias against Tesla. Tesla is the only electric vehicle thus far in the history of electric vehicles that's made a dent at all in any of this stuff they care about, and they still go out of their way to punish Tesla. That get that, sh- that you, so what that tells me is climate change is an existential existential threat. Jack, no joke, no malarkey. It's an existential threat. Our children will die on this hot planet. You don't care about it enough to allow Tesla, the only electric car company that's actually ever made a, made any progress, you won't let them participate. That's how much you believe global warming is an existential threat. What a bunch of freaking phonies. Well, and it's just directly redistributing your income to their union buddies who turn out to vote for them, That which is what's so disgusting about it. Which they care about more it. about, obviously, than global warming. Bingo. Right. Right. At the same time, it's reported that, and uh, this has been confirmed, Tesla employees get health insurance, stock, and are paid more than many unionized auto workers. But uh, that's irrelevant. That's not what it's about. It's about rewarding uh, political cronies. Armstrong and 